the second I know I have a really big day the next day and I like set myself up to sleep really early I get paranoid I'm lying in bed and I'm like oh, I have to do this thing I have to do this thing and then I can't switch off and then the next thing you know it's like 2am and I have to wake up at 6 but I was in bed from like 9 but because my brain is so like it's hard to just shut off you know Hello, I'm Mariana Huffington. I'm delighted to welcome you to a special series of the Thrive Global podcast presented by Audible. In these four episodes, I'll be talking to four remarkable women about how they prioritize sleep in their lives and what helps them thrive. Sleep is always essential to every aspect of our well-being. But in extraordinary times of anxiety, stress, and uncertainty, getting the sleep we need is more important than never. Sleep is truly the foundation of both a strong immune system and our mental resilience, the very things we need to navigate this pandemic and the uncertainty of the year ahead. My guest today is Charlie XCX. She's an English singer, songwriter, and producer. If you've heard her hit collaborations with Icona Pop and Iggy Azalea, they're probably still stuck in your head. I spoke to Charlie just before the pandemic put a stop to her hectic touring schedule. And on the day she launched a series on Netflix called I'm With The Band, Nasty Cherry. She slowed down just long enough to talk to me about sleep and how she calms the hurricane of her thoughts. Welcome. So tell me what's on your mind right now. Um, what's on my mind right now? Oh, a lot. Um, yeah, it's been the past couple of days is pretty uh, stressful and hectic. Being in New York, I'm just finishing my tour. So I had a show last night. I have one more tonight. Um, and also just launched this Netflix show this morning. So <laughs> there's so there's a lot going on in my brain. I'm like kind of juggling a lot of thoughts and emotions right now, but I'm alive. So that's that's good. <laughs> so when there's so much happening, which is kind of almost the unintended consequence of success. And what is the kind of your eye of the hurricane? You know, I love that image of there's a whole hurricane going, mm. and then there is the eye of the hurricane where everything is peaceful and where you are more connected with yourself. How do you get to that place? Um, I think I get to that place by sleeping, number one. <laughs> being restful, um, but also being um, able to just really like focus on being creative. That's my really safe space mm -hmm. where I feel most happy and calm when I'm able to just really focus on making work um, rather than all the other things that surround it, you know. And um, when it comes to sleep, how many hours do you need to be completely recharged? Do you know? I feel like it is probably eight for me, eight or nine. For me too, eight. You know, um, 
I always feel a bit cheated when I get like six hours. You know, I'm I'm like, mm. and last night was I don't even know four hours. So I'm really like today. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's for me. I definitely need a good eight. And uh, what can you do to prioritize that? I have to work really hard at making sure that I am resting. You know, I'm really distracted by my phone all the time. And I'm also a very paranoid person. So the second I know I have a really big day the next day and I like set myself up to sleep really early, I get paranoid. I'm lying in bed and I'm like, oh, I have to do this thing. I have to do this thing. And then I can't switch off. And then the next thing you know, it's like... 2 a.m. and I have to wake up at 6. But I was in bed from like 9. But because my brain is so like, it's hard to just shut off, you know. Completely understand. That's why here at Thrive, we've created like a wind down routine. Do you have like a wind down routine? I don't, but I should. I want to know about it. So shall I tell you about mine? Tell me. I mean, there are many other things you can add to your routine to make Mm -hmm. it personal. But mine is especially if I have a stressful day coming up to turn off my phone. 30 minutes before I'm going to turn off the light. That's good. And charge it outside my bedroom. Yeah. So this is kind of my message to myself that my working day is over. Yeah. And now I'm getting ready to recharge, to be ready to win the day next day. And so I like to have a very hot bath. Yeah, I've I've got into baths Great, recently. But put your phone away first. Mm-hmm. Then have a very hot bath and make it like as um, distressing as you can. All the things that distress you. For me, it's like candles. Yeah. And uh, Epsom salts. Or, yeah. Uh, and what we've discovered, and it's science-based, is that this is not really for cleanliness. It's to get our brain to slow down Mm. because what wakes you up or what prevents you from going to sleep is your very active brain. Mm. And uh, end all that ritual with three things you're grateful for. Yeah. Whatever that is. So if you want to try it, I will. And see how it goes. I feel more peaceful even just listening to you talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, and then, you know, your brain is quieter and uh, by now... You've done so many concerts. You've, mm. You know you can do it. I mean, that's what we almost have to tell ourselves. Right. It's not the first time, sure. right? Mm-hmm. You know you can do that. And it really kind of probably goes back also to how we're brought up because you had this amazing upbringing with an Indian mother and a Scottish father mm-hmm. who are very, very different, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, your father wanted you to be very adventurous. Yeah. Your mother was very protective. Yes. So how did you navigate that? Um, I think it was, I kind of ended up with a good balance, you know, where I was very much encouraged to express myself um, and be creative and kind of explore the world, so to speak. But also I did have quite a structured upbringing in the sense that, I was able to explore and be weird and experiment with fashion and partying and whatever. But I also had to like get good grades, go to school. It was kind of both at the same time, which I actually feel like was quite positive for me. And now that you're not just a singer and songwriter, but a video director and a documentary maker... 
and your own um, record label now, mm-hmm. Vroom Vroom. Yeah. So you are in a whole other level of leadership and mentoring others. How has that been for you? I think when I take a step back and actually really think about it, I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of pressure. But I feel honestly just really excited and very inspired um, because I love all of the people that I get to work with. And it's really like a two-way street, you know. So I feel just very empowered to do all of the extra stuff because it makes me feel creative and excited. So for the last several years, you've Mm -hmm. been in this on and off relationship with your boyfriend, Huck. Yes. And and what have you learned from this relationship about what you need and want in a relationship? Well, I think I'm still learning, you know. Um, I think it's a journey that I'm still on. And I think for me, in a relationship, it's important to have that person be my best friend, but also have them understand that I need my space. And that is something that um, I'm really lucky to have, you know, and obviously the lifestyle that I lead is quite extreme in terms of traveling and being away and things like that. And so to be with somebody who understands that is really important. And I've found that in someone which is great. And you did something that helped so many people when uh, you went on your Instagram this past summer and Mm. talked openly about a day when you were depressed. And um, it was quite rare to be that open Mm. about uh, how you were feeling that day, Mm. about your life and about the world. What made you decide to be so open about it? Um, It was something that in the moment I didn't really think about. I just had this surge of emotion and I just, it just felt like the right thing to do to put it online because I am very honest with my fans and we have a dialogue back and forth. And I also think that it's important for me to show I, I don't believe in perfection and my whole ethos as an artist is that I make mistakes, but I stand by them. You know, I own, I'm a human. I make errors. I do stupid things sometimes, but it's okay. And I'm not somebody who's perfect or always in the right frame of mind or confident or whatever. And I think there's a lot of negative connotations attached to that. I think there's a lot of pressure to be perfect all the time, to look a certain way, to say the right thing. And that's never been me. Um, So, you know, I think for me to share that across all aspects of how I'm feeling is really important because I don't think that the world is perfect and that there are perfect people. Everybody is human and everybody is vulnerable. And sometimes to see that from somebody that you might look up to or admire, I think can make quite an impact. And, you know, maybe on days that some of my fans feel a bit lost or down or defeated, they'll remember that I feel like that too. Right. You and, know? That, and that also the day after you wrote about how you were feeling much, much better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just think it's important to be truly who you really are, you know? And uh, it also demonstrates that social media, which has been one of the reasons that depression <laughs> is skyrocketing, especially among teenage girls, 
But you are demonstrating that social media can actually be used for good. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, social media is such a funny world, isn't it? You know, because it's like a video game and everybody's playing it. And it's also kind of like a drug as well. It's addictive and the highs are so high and the lows are so low, you know. And so it's it's a really... I definitely have a complicated relationship with social media, but yes, any time that I can use it to do good is a good thing. So in May, the World Health Organization acknowledged burnout as a real medical syndrome. Right. And you have experienced it. You've described yourself as a workaholic. Yes. And um, so there are times when you push yourself, you power through exhaustion. Yeah. And... um, Can you describe a specific time that you felt that? And maybe is there a different way to do it? Yeah, there probably is. But I guess in the moment, I can't see any other options. I guess it's just the fear of like letting people down or letting myself down is really in my head, you know. That fear of like, oh, if I don't do this one thing now, this will go wrong or it won't happen or the consequences will be this. When really it's like... You need to put things into perspective, but it's very hard to do. But I can't think of a specific time because it's sort of happening constantly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I definitely need to work on that for sure. And just find little things that can help you sort of take even a few minutes to recharge before the burnout. That's why I showed you our micro-step wall here. Mm. We believe that... And it's science proves it with small, tiny steps that we can introduce into our day. We can prevent that feeling of burnout. Right. And I, I came to it the hard way. I actually collapsed from burnout. Wow. In 2007 and hit my head on my desk and <gasps> broke my cheekbone. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, a lot of people have even worse things happen, you know, Mm. heart attacks and real deep depression that it's hard to get out of. So I think it's amazing when we discover these little micro steps that can help us. You also shared that your new uh, single, Gone, is about anxiety Mm. that happens when you're in a room full of people and you feel isolated and alone. Yes. And even after all your fame and success, do you still have that feeling? Oh, all the time. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. And I think sometimes it kind of hits harder than other times, but I definitely still have feelings of insecurity and kind of doubt in myself, you know, and um, I'm not sure why that is, but I definitely get it. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, you know. Um, but I feel anxious and under pressure sometimes when I'm in certain situations. But the song, it's funny, like, the song is definitely about that, but at the same time when I perform it, it feels very empowering and, like, freeing to kind of talk about it. And so when you feel that, if you are, like, in a social situation and you have these feelings of self-doubt and insecurity, what do you do? I sort of try and push through it. Um, but I probably eventually would leave. <laughs> That's kind of what, what I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I go just very quiet and then I'll probably leave. <laughs> so that voice of self-doubt, I call it 
the obnoxious roommate living in my head. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that voice was really strong for me. Right. But I promise you that it's amazing how you learn to deal with it. And how, f- how did you learn? For me, I learned by uh, recognizing that that voice is not me. Okay. And not giving it power over me. Yeah. And also having a sense of humor around it. Yeah. You know, not like taking it seriously. Totally. Because sometimes that voice is just so stupid, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and makes us feel so doubtful about ourselves. Yeah. Even at moments when we know there's absolutely no reason right. um, to feel that. Yeah. But also what is great is that as you are um, doing these things in your life, your fans... We learn from that without yeah. being preachy or didactic. Sure. Just because you share your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's positive, I, I hope. Yeah. So I'd love to talk now more about your band. Yes. I met them all. They're amazing. They're very sweet, aren't they? Yeah. So tell me, how did you pick them? Uh, what's their relationship like? Yeah. Uh, so I picked them. I knew all of them individually and... Some of them vaguely knew each other, but not super well. But essentially, I've always been wanting to work with a, a band who were kind of like the runaways, but now, you know, like the runaways on Instagram. And I just thought it would be fun for me and some friends I knew to kind of like come together and make that a reality. So I hit up Georgia, Gabrielle, Debbie and Chloe, and I was like, you guys should be in a band like I know you don't know each other but maybe you should get to know each other and try and be in a band it could be really fun and so they started a text chain and they kind of got to know each other they were into each other and so the band thing happened and they started making music together and at the same time I wanted to document it all because I think it's a really interesting story to tell you know what is the roadmap to success in the music mm. industry nowadays? There isn't one, you know, there's absolutely no rules anymore. People can, you know, become successful from Instagram, from YouTube, from, I don't know, a TV show, so many random different things, and there's no one way anymore. And um, I also feel like it's really important to show women doing things for themselves, and especially these four girls, they're not, they're very real, they're very real like me, like, we make mistakes, but we own them. You know, they're funny, they're unpolished, they have this punk ethos about them. And I feel like that's something that's missing in music right now. So I wanted to make this show. And so we documented their kind of process from um, writing songs to releasing them and the ups, the downs, the emotional roller coasters, the hangovers, the parties, <laughs> the whole thing. And yeah, we made this show and it's called I'm With The Band, Nasty Cherry, and it's premiering on Netflix and we're, we're just very excited. And how did you pick the name? Well, I think we we wanted a little Runaways reference. Um, you know, we wanted to kind of reference Cherry Bomb. And I also think when I think of the words Nasty Cherry, I just think of these four girls. You know, mm-hmm. they're like kind of juicy, sexy, but it feels nostalgic. It's kind of reminds me of like Vanity Six <laughs> type, like, I don't know, but they're like punk and it's red. I don't know. It's just, to me, it's a very visual 
image. And how do you help each other through the emotional roller coaster? Um, I think wherever possible, we're just trying to be there for each other. You know, I mean, the whole scenario of their career is extremely intense and quite, um, quite unique in the sense that, you know, they're a band who are put together who were immediately filmed all the time, living their lives on camera, but no one really knew about the band for a while. So they were kind of like living in their own bubble world. So it's very meta. They were living in this extremely like meta, like bizarre world for a while. And so it was quite difficult to fully get a grasp of everything that was going on. And there are a lot of emotions, but the best way we was just to talk as much as possible, talk about our feelings and how we interact with each other and be really honest with each other, even if sometimes that honesty was a little painful, to always just be honest and open and um, be as real with each other as possible. I love that. Uh, here at Thrive, our number one cultural value is what we call compassionate directness. Yeah. And we encourage everyone to be direct. Uh-huh. As you say, even when it's hard. Yeah, right, exactly. Because you can deal with anything as long as you express it and you don't sit on it. Exactly. And um, you said uh, after your, the 2017 incident when um, you were hacked and your music was leaked mm -hmm. that it, it scared you yes. about what else would happen. And it affected your trust in a way. Yes, How are you dealing with that now? Um, I feel a bit safer now, um, but I do still sort of live in fear of being hacked again or having my online security breached. And it's something that me and my team are always kind of keeping an eye out for, um, whilst at the same time trying to not let it like ruin my life, you know? Um, but yeah, it was quite just quite emotional, you know, to have your property sort of stolen and then put on the internet is always very hard. And, you know, for me, it wasn't really photos. It was more my artistic property music I was making. And that was, for me, very sad, just sad because I felt like I lost ownership of something that I had worked really hard on. But, you know, I think it's something that I have to, you know, it's happened, it's in the past and, let it go, move on. That's my kind of attitude towards it, really. And let me end by asking you about the future. Yes. You've said that you wonder when the party will be over. <laughs> so why do you think the party will be over? Well, maybe it won't. <laughs> maybe I'm still wondering it. Maybe maybe it won't be. Maybe the party will just change, you know, mm -hmm. into like less about a 4am rave and more about like a nice, sophisticated glass of wine on a holiday. That's probably how the party will change. <laughs> And it's great to think of all the many transformations of the party. Yes, exactly. That you'll help bring about, uh, <laughs> both for you and for all the people who love and admire you. Yeah, oh, thank and you. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, really. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Many thanks to Charlie XCX. This episode of the Thrive Global podcast is presented by Audible, whose sleep collection was designed to help you get the rest you deserve. 
for a wealth of sleep stories, meditations, and other incredible wellness content, check out Audible Plus, which also features thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, and Audible originals. And stay tuned for my new podcast, What I Learned with Ariana Huffington, featuring some of the most interesting people sharing the life lessons they learned over the course of this tumultuous past year. Thanks for listening.